to continue the teaching on today, and um, we're doing a discipleship tech, and on today we're teaching from the subject, disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. I need you to say that. Say disciples, disciples. make disciples. Okay. I need you, uh, as you know, as when we're in a discipleship uh, series, we get in the word, we take notes, we open our Bible, so I need you to prepare yourself because I have a lot to give you today in a short span of time, but I need to take you on a trip, so I need you to kind of ride with me and, and roll with me just for a minute. Go to 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verse number 2. 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verse number 2. Remember, in discipleship, the, the, the uh, scripture is not on the screen, amen. I do this intentionally so that you can get into the word, amen. So 1 Peter, the 5th chapter, verse number 2. 1 Peter 5, verse number 2. And I, I want to kind of preface this by saying, um, I'm going to start out, and it's going to be extremely confusing, and I'm going to clear it all up. I know some of y'all looking at me like, gee, thanks, Pastor. Okay. I'm going to confuse you, and then I'm going to clear it all up. All right? Because there's some things that you need to know and learn from the Word of God um, that need to make sense. The Bible is not written like a, uh, your car manual. You know how your car manual, you can open it up and you say steering wheels, it's on page, you know, such and such. The Bible is not like that. The Bible is different scriptures that, you, that are all over the word of God that tie together to create a point, a theology, a doctrine. And I want to kind of lay out something for you that you've probably never seen before, but you need to know right? First Peter, the fifth chapter, verse number two and three, the Bible says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. I, I want to kind of start here, and it's going to be a weird starting point, but I need to lay out something for you that you've probably never seen before, and it's going to make sense in a minute. I need to lay out to you the responsibilities of the pastor. Okay. The responsibilities of the pastor. Pastor, why are you teaching this? You mad? Nope, not mad. I'm not upset. Ain't nobody did nothing to me. But I think a lot of times, people in today's time uh, have a definition of the pastor that has nothing to do with the word of God. The definition of the pastor is now in the hands of society, and many of y'all believe what they tell y'all what a pastor's supposed to do. So I want to show you from the word of God, what does the word of God, what does God's word say about the pastor? In this text we just read, uh, it is very clear the responsibility of the pastor. It is to shepherd the flock of God. And that word shepherd, everybody say shepherd. shepherd. It means to provide oversight. It means protecting. It means leading, encouraging, discipling, guarding, guiding, and feeding. If I was to take that long definition and to put it all down into a simple term, it means that the pastor is twofold. You ready? To feed and to lead. Let's say that. To feed and to lead. Come on, say it after me. To feed and to lead. 
Say it like you grown. To feed and to lead. It means that the pastor is to feed you spiritually and, watch this, to exercise authority and oversight um, over you while at the same time, watch this, based upon the scripture we just read, providing to be a living example to you. That's the pastor's assignment. That's the job of the pastor. Because, watch this, the reward given to the pastor is not just based on how good they preach. I was a real good preacher before I became a pastor. Why you say that, pastor? Because before I became a pastor, I preached for, watch this, engagements. I wanted people to keep calling me. I wanted to go to this church and that church and that church and that church and to preach all over. Until the Lord said, now I need you to pastor the flock of God. And I came to find out that pastoring the flock of God means I don't need to tickle your fans. I need to tell you the truth. And woe unto the disciple that just wants a pastor to tell you what you want to hear. Because I've discovered anytime you give people what they want, they will never grow. You have to have a pastor that can feed you the word of God and lead you based upon the spirit and the word of God so that you can go in the direction of what God wants for you. And it doesn't matter. Catch this. I know this is going to mess you up, you African-Americans, Afro-Negro people. What's going to mess y'all up is that if they don't holler at the end of the message, they didn't preach. The devil is a liar. Because the problem is the church nowadays wants to be entertained but does not want to change. And when the pastor confronts you about your sin and about your foolishness and about your mess, then all of a sudden, I, I think my season up is uh, my season is up here. Touch your neighbor and say, your season ain't up. Yeah, you gotta you better handle this truth. Watch this. The the, the reward that's given to the pastor is not based upon their preaching. It is based upon how well the pastor provides leadership and oversight, how well the pastor sets an example to the flock. This means that the pastor must have a relationship with the sheep to the place of being involved in the people's lives on an intimate level. Uh-oh, that means you can't be a member of a church based upon social media. Because I'm real scared that we are living in a day and a time where social media is pastoring you, telling you what you want to hear, tickling your fancy, but it's not going after your chief. Because as soon as they start preaching truth, now you change the channel and go to somebody else. I, you know, I love Bishop Jakes. I watch Bishop Jakes online. I love Bishop Jakes. He tell, oh, wait a minute. He preached on commitment. I need to go over here to Mike Todd because Mike Todd is telling me some <laughs> wonderful things and I love what he is saying and he is moving me up. Oh, wait, faith is not just what I say, it's what I do. Well, let me go over here to Benny Hinn because Benny Hinn, I could just fall out and get what I... Now, I'm not knocking any of those ministries. I need you to hear a greater point. The problem is if you have a choice in the matter, you will never change. And sometimes you need to be in an environment where you got to sit there and suffer through a message that is getting on your last nerve, but it's changing you on the inside that you'll never be the same after that message is over with. I, I'm not doing this. I need you to hear me. I'm not doing this in arrogance, but I need you to touch your name and say, I thank God for my pastor. Yeah, because I got a kind of pastor that tell me the truth even when I don't want to hear it. 
that get up in my grill with this word even when I don't like it. Go to Galatians, the fourth chapter. Galatians, the fourth chapter. Come on, we're going to ride out through this word. I need you to get this. Galatians, the fourth chapter, verse number 19. Galatians 4, verse number 19. I know in a minute you're going to say, well, Pastor, what does this got to do with me? It's coming. Oh, it's coming. Galatians 4, verse number 19. Galatians 4, verse number 19. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Look what Paul is saying. Paul has such a personal knowledge of the people he was responsible for that his heart ached, watch this, over their spiritual immaturity and imperfection. He says, I'm in, I'm in child, I have pains of childbirth over watching you being immature. It is bothering me as your shepherd to see you sit Sunday after Sunday for years and years and you never grow. It doesn't rest well with me. It, it aggravates me. I sit at home and I'm struggling with it. And you come up in my face and I'm, and I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, do something with them. I don't know what's going on with them. They always in the same place. They done came around the same mountain over and over and over again. And Paul says, for the pastor, a true pastor, it's like pains of childbirth. Watching your sheep, watch this, go through the level of immaturity they've been on for too long. It aggravates them. This might explain why sometimes your pastor got an attitude with you. See, I don't like this right here. This is good teaching. Turn me up a little bit. Turn me up a little bit because they need to hear this. Turn me up in these veins. They need to hear this. This might explain why sometimes when you want your pastor to lay hands on you and, and lay you out on the floor, God is saying, mm-mm, that ain't what they need. So while he praying for one and seeking the Lord, oh, Jesus, yes, God, oh, God, bless. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Touch your neighbor say, that ain't what you need. That ain't what you need. You've been around this mulberry bush before. It, it bothers a true pastor to see you in immaturity and to walk around with imperfections. Go to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse number 29. I'm building my case. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse number 29. 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 29. 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verse number 29. New Living Translation puts it like this. Who is weak? without my feeling that weakness. Who is led astray and I don't burn with anger? This is the weight, hear this, of being a shepherd. You know what that means? You know what we just read? Simply put, this is what it means. It means the shepherd carries his people in his spirit. And he carries, uh, uh, he or she carries the people into their spirit to the place that what they do affects, watch this, the pastor on a deeper level. Because there's a spiritual tie between the shepherd and the sheep. 
Can I prove it to you? How do I know it's a spiritual tie between the shepherd and the sheep? Isn't it amazing how you came to church and I preached exactly what you was going through? And I had not talked to you all week long. Because there's a spiritual connection that happens between the pastor and the sheep, and it's there, and you can't separate it. Because when you are tied to the pastor, watch this, there, when, what affects you will affect me, and what affects me will affect you. One of the worst whippers I ever got from God was a time in this ministry where I was going through something very personal, very traumatic, and I came in, and I did not have the best spirit, the best attitude, and then all of a sudden, it started affecting the church, and God whipped me so good for that, because he said, listen, they can't get to the mountaintop, watch this, the people will never get to the mountaintop if you're not there already. So I have to come in here, no matter what I go through, watch this, upbeat, cheery, ready to go, come on Jesus, let's go, I, in spite of what I'm going through, because I got to get you to a place that you may not be at. Colossians 1, verse number 28. Colossians 1, verse number 28. We almost there. Colossians 1, verse number 28. I love it. Some of y'all ain't never been in some of these, these chapters before, in some of these books. Hallelujah. Who? How you spell Colossians? <laughs> Colossians 1, verse number 28. I love Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Verse number 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to see the toll that it takes on the pastor. Because in order to get people to maturity, I need you to hear this. In order to get people to, to maturity, it takes strenuous, laborious work that exhausts you. <laughs> hear me and hear me well. To teach the people into a place of completeness in Christ, it will wear you out. To get people to grow from one level of maturity to another takes some hard work. You don't believe me. I got any parents in here that say them teenage years was a mother. The, 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 them years that you had to get them from the place of complete immaturity, thinking they were mature, thinking they knew everything. You couldn't tell them nothing. I know. No, you don't. What you still trying to learn, I forgot. You'll catch that when you get home. <laughs> it took everything out of you as a parent. There were days you, you crawled in the bed after a, one conversation with that child. <laughs> Whoa, you slapped in. Watch this. How you think the pastor feel? <laughs> that you got to take all these babes in Christ and get them to grow up into maturity. It will wear you out. I said it will wear you out. I said it will wear you out. Let me tell you something. When we first started this church, uh, uh, over nine years ago, first started this church, um, the first six years, um, I was working full-time in a job, and then I was working full-time in ministry. 
There were days where I only got two, three hours of sleep. That was it. Um, just working, 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 working. And I hit a wall last year um, that many of you, I told you about, that we had the conversation in April when I sat the whole church down, remember? Because I got to a place where I was like, I ain't happy. I mean, I'm working. Watch this. I'm working, and I ain't seen no fruit of the labor. And I'm tired. And the Lord had to kind of take, take a step back, take me a step back. Watch this. And he said to me, while I'm discipling you all, he was discipling me as well. Watch this. Because I was giving all this energy and work to something I had not grown into. And one of the most dangerous things in your life that you can experience is working at a level you, have not, you don't have the maturity to, to, to sustain. That's okay, let me prove it to you. That's why the Bible says he that findeth a, findeth a wife findeth a good thing. It doesn't say he that findeth a woman. Because when you're a woman, you just have a le one level of maturity. But when you are a wife, you have a whole nother level of maturity that a woman might not have. Do y'all see that? So if you operate at a level that you don't have the maturity from, you will self-sabotage the season. You ready? You will quit. Because you can't hang. And I was getting ready to quit. Mm, got to deal with this. Let me go get me a job. I ain't going to be happy, but I'll go get a job. Because at least I deal with one boss. Then to deal with 50. <laughs> Acts 20. Acts 20. Acts 20. I'm going somewhere. I'm almost there. Acts 20. Acts 20, verse number 26. Acts 20, verse number 26. Acts 20, verse number 26 says, Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm giving you a title today. You're not a pastor. You're not a bishop. You are now an overseer. Look at verse number 28 again. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own, with, which he bought with his own blood. 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will rise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Look at this, this intimacy level. Paul is saying, listen, I got to go. I got to work to do. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to keep watch over the house of God. I need you to keep watch over the flock of God. I'm making you overseers. I need you to keep after them. Because here's the reason why I need you to watch over them, because there are wolves out there. There are, there are wolves that will creep up. Watch this. Not in the world. In the church. There, there are wolves in the church. There are, there are people 
who will see you give your life to Jesus Christ and then two days later get in your DM to sleep with you. Oh, y'all didn't come for all this? You're here now. There are wolves in church. There are people that will see you get in the ministry, get active in the ministry, and all of a sudden, watch this, they get territorial and want to run you up out of here. I said wolves in the church. Look at your neighbor real good. Just look at him real good. I don't know if that's a wolf. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. How did they act when they sat next to you? How was they praised when praise and worship was going on? Was they sitting there, oh, it's too loud. This song too long. I don't know what's going on. A wolf in the church. And God is saying, overseers, you got to be watchers. You got to protect the house of God. Because you got to make sure that when the wolves come in, you, know, you learn how to get them up out of here. Okay? Um, he, he says, you are overseers. Catch this. So that means that the responsibility is not singularly, singularly on the pastor alone. pastor is to provide oversight and to be the example. But we have been called to be, watch this, sanctifying influencers in the church. My question, my question to you today is, how do you effectively shepherd someone into Christ's likeness? How do you effectively shepherd someone into Christ's likeness? How do you fulfill the role of the pastor? which is also a model for all of us to behave. That if the pastor is to do this, we are to do this as well. That all of a sudden, watch this, what I just laid out for you was to show you, there's no two separate standards. Mm. That, that, watch this, it means that if the pastor got to live holy, the people got to live holy. That if the pastor got to do right, the people got to do right. Mm. If the pastor got to be nice, the people got to be nice. If the pastor got to study the word, the people got to study the word. Oh, I know, because society made you believe that the pastor was on a different pedestal, so when the pastor falls, oh, God, look what's going on in the church. The devil is a lie. If it ain't happening in the pulpit, it's happening in the pew. Isn't it funny that if the pastor fall into sin, they put that on blast, but the saints can fall every day, and don't nobody say nothing? It's getting tight right over here. <laughs> because disciples make disciples, not the pastor. Disciples make the pastor make disciples. Uh, go to Hebrews thirteen, verse number seventeen. Somebody say, "I love the word." Yeah. Hebrews thirteen, verse number seventeen. Give it, I'm giving it to you straight from the word. Hebrews thirteen, verse number seventeen. Lord, I feel we're getting ready to hit a roadblock with this scripture right here. So God, free up the, the runway on this scripture right here. Free it up, Jesus, before I read it. Free it up, God. I feel the resistance rising up right now. 
Hebrews 13, verse number 17. Look what the word of God says. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Did you feel the resistance rise up right there? <laughs> Watch this. Let me read it again. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let me stop right there. Um, the pastor has a greater responsibility in the sense that when the pastor stands before God, watch this. You have to give an account for what you do when you stand before God, right? You, if, you, if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to heaven, you're getting in. But what, what, what is in question now is the gifts, the, the things that the Lord, your rewards that the Lord gives you when you stand before him in judgment, that judgment. Not the judgment if you're getting in. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, it's a done deal, it's all, it's one, say once and for all, let's go, you're getting in. The problem is you got to give an account for how you lived your life. So when you give an account for how you live your life, there are rewards that are tied to that account that you got to give before God. The difference between you and me is when I stand before God, I got to give an account for how I live my life and what I fed you and how I led you. I have to give an account for how I live my life and how I handled you. Because God going to play on the big screen. Remember that, that member right there? What happened to that? I'm like, Lord, you know they're crazy. You know, you know, <laughs> you made them, <laughs> you know. I have to give an account. Watch this. So the Bible says that your responsibility is to submit to your leader. Watch this. Because your leader is the one that has to give an account over you. Here's what he's trying to say. He's not trying to say that your pastor has complete rule over you and tell you what to do and when to move and all that. No, that's control. That's something completely different. We are talking about, watch this, when there is a mission, there is a vision that the Lord has given the church, are you helping or hindering it? Are you making it harder for ministry to go forth? Or are you, watch this, submitting to it even if you don't understand it all the time? Do you get into rehearsals and you nasty to everybody? Because you just made the vision harder. Keep quiet. Just keep quiet. Some people sitting there saying, I should have went to the classes. <laughs> you gonna classic your tail right here today? Mm-hmm. Did you submit to what the Lord has spoke over this house? Or did you make it harder? That's a question you gotta ask. That's a question you gotta ask. Watch this. I, I, wanna, I wanna go deeper into this so you can understand. The writer is saying that when your leader speaks on the authority of God's word, they do have a, they do have a right, watch this, to expect obedience. The obedience, of course, is not to, not to uh, men, but to God. Not to conform or, or the comfortability of your flesh. Because what I've discovered is 
the reason why the church is not excelling is because people want, I'm not saying freedom, I'm talking about the church universal. The reason why the church universal is not excelling anymore is because now we want to make the church comfortable for everybody. We want it to suit everybody. When it used to be a day that there used to be a difference between clean and unclean. Now we let everything fly. And when you stand up for righteousness, now all of a sudden they call that, that church into question and that pastor and that leader into question. You know what's so funny? You don't have a, you have all the problems in the world with what the church does. You got all the comments about what the church does. But you ain't never read your iPhone agreement. Y'all, okay. You've never read it. You agreed and went with it. You never read the part where they say they own whatever you put on that. But when the pastor say, you got to submit, uh -uh, I ain't doing that. Are you kidding me? The phone you picked on, you submitted to it. But when the pastor asks you, come on, and you submit to this vision, we got to move this, we got to do something, now we got a problem. That's control. That's manipulation. If you got a little Bible, that's the spirit of Jezebel. Child, stop, 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 stop. Look at your neighbor and say, he's pastor today. Yeah. Pastors have much more to give an account for than the sermon that we preach. We have to give an account to make sure that what we gave you is the whole counsel of God. Teaching and preaching to the place that you conform to the image of Christ. So how do disciples make disciples? Go to my foundational scripture, and this is what I want to deal with, 1 Corinthians 4. And I want you to keep your Bible open because we're going to be all over 1 and 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 1 through 5. This is my foundational scripture with where I'm going with this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 1 through 5. So I gave you the layout of what the pastor's responsibility, and in Acts we saw that it wasn't only the pastor's responsibility, but it's also the people's responsibility. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 1 through 5. What does Paul say right through here? 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 1 through 5. The Bible says, this then is how you ought to regard us as, watch this, servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove, everybody say faithful. faithful. I need y'all to say that. Put a little bass in your voice. Say it like you grown. Say faithful. faithful. Must prove faithful. Verse number three, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So if disciples make disciples, what kind of disciple should you be so that you can make another disciple? 
What does that actually look like? All right. Go back to verse number one. This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ. Point number one, you must be a servant. You must be a servant. Now, there are a number of possibilities for the word servant in, in the New Testament. There are six different Greek words for the, for the word servant in the New Testament. And all of them, I want you to hear this, describe a function. Um, but this word servant is huperetes, which is H-U-P-E-R-E-T-E-S. Uh, get the listen to the podcast and get that again. Hooper is the preposition meaning under. And retes has, uh, has to do with, watch this, rowing. So when he says servant, he is actually talking about, hear this, an under rower. Now that don't, that don't sound like it make any sense, but I'm going to show you this. Come in, Maisha. Uh, come in, uh, Grace. Uh, uh, um, come in, Bria. I always, I always use the, the, the fellas. I'm going to use the ladies today. Praise God. Uh-huh. Just take, a, just take a seat. Just take a seat. Okay? He uses the word. He says, in, I consider myself a servant. Everybody say servant. And that word servant right there literally translates an under rower. Um, there was a ship at that time um, by the name of a trireme. And a trireme was a ship, watch this, that had slaves at the bottom um, that would row in order for this large giant ship to get from one place to the other. Are y'all with me? Okay. Paul says, I'm a servant. I'm an under rower. That I have been assigned, watch this, to get on the ship and row. Okay, ladies, row. Uh-huh. Yeah, row. Come on, row. Yeah, row. All right. Y'all rowing? Okay. Did you notice how they got in synchronization with each other? They got in sync with one another? Watch this, because when you are a servant and under rower, it means that you don't do what you want to do when you want to do it. You got to go in the flow with everybody else. I need you to touch three people around and say, get in the flow, get in the flow, get in the flow. All right? Here's the problem. The problem is, watch this, what happens if Bria decide, I'm tired of rowing. I'm sick of it. I've been rowing. Ain't nobody said thank you. I've been rowing. I'm not invited to the meeting. I've been rowing for two days, and, and I, sh I should be patted on the back. Doesn't, it doesn't matter that the person in front of you has been rowing for 10 years. It's just that you rowed for two days. Come on, you and now your expectation is that somebody should pat you on the back for it. And when you stop rowing, when Bria stops, stops rowing, what happens? Now it makes it harder for the other two. Y'all ain't, y'all ain't, y'all don't, y'all don't like this right through here. Watch this. You have slowed down progress, and you ready for this? You are overworking everybody else that's supposed to be rowing as well. So now we got to make up the difference because you won't do what you're supposed to do. He says, I'm a servant. I'm an under rower. That, that I don't get to pick and choose when I row. Watch this. Watch this. This is the identity of a disciple. A disciple is a servant that pulls the oar. Yeah, just sit there. They still... <laughs> 
Can I tell you another thing? Keep on rowing. <laughs> Can I tell you another thing? Here's the problem. You ready for this? Um, when you stop rowing, you have too much time to think. So now, Bria saying, wait a minute. I don't like the, where we're steering. Why are we going in that direction? I, I, you know, I think we should go in another direction because I feel like the other direction is going to be easy. I don't understand it. Honey, it would be easy if you started rowing. Touch your nigga and say, he's talking to all us today. He's talking to all us. Watch this. So Bria decides, watch this, I don't like the direction we're going in. I think that we should go in another direction. Catch this. But when your assignment was to row, nobody asked you what direction we were supposed to go in. Amen. You're not the captain of the ship. <laughs> and that's the problem why we can't get nowhere, because we got too many captains but not enough rowers. It's getting quiet right through here. Y'all can stop rowing. I know y'all tired. <laughs> you feel all that? You feel all that? Praise God. <laughs> Watch this. It's not your job to steer. It is your job to do your part in order for us to get there. Touch three people around you. Just tell them, do your part. Yeah, do your part. Y'all stay right there. Stay right there for me. Go to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. I told you we're going to be all over 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 5. Now, here's the problem that Paul was having in, first, in Corinthians. Um, Paul comes, establishes the church in Corinth, and leaves, and he, they send him a letter to find out that there's some problems going on in this church at Corinth. Corinth was wild. It was crazy. They had a lot of uh, charisma, but they didn't have a lot of learning. Um, they thought they knew what they was doing, and so they sent a letter from Chloe's house. Now, theologians believe any time in the Bible that it mentions whoever house they were having church at, because they didn't have church at a regular building like this. They had churches at people's houses, which is where we get the, the small group con concept from. So the Bible says that they sent a letter from Chloe's house. Well, if Chloe is a woman, and any time they named whoever's house it was, theoretically that meant theologians believe that she had to be the pastor of that, that church, right? Because if she was married or if there was somebody that was a leader, they would have said from his house, not Chloe's house. Are y'all with me? So that just blessed you for those that don't believe in women preachers and women pastors. Let me keep on moving. So the, uh, Paul gets this letter, and there's this issue, there's this schism that has risen out of Chloe's house that they are questioning themselves and saying, well, who should we be following? Because I follow Paul. And then you got somebody else saying, I follow Apollo, Apollos. Well, I follow this one. I follow that one. In other words, you got these people who are now um, getting in not just a schism, but I got a better word for it, clicks. Okay? 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 5. Who then is Paul? This is what Paul writes back to him. Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave to each of you, each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So what Paul is saying, you gotta, you gotta catch the, 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 uh, the he's trying to be funny. He's being, he's being facetious with them. Um, you know how when somebody say, you know so-and-so, and you be like, who that is? 
and you actually know who that is, but you're trying to be funny because you don't want, you know, I don't care for that person. Who, who's that? Who? Okay. Paul is doing a who. He's basically saying, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? He even puts himself in there. He's letting them know, listen, y'all trying to break down in these groups, it doesn't matter. I planted, Apollos watered, but if we didn't do it, somebody else would did it because at the end of the day, it is not us who do it, it's God who gives the increase. This eliminates the saints from having the big head that you did anything significant. It eliminates the, the, the thinking that if you wrote a $1,000 uh, check to the church, that all of a sudden your name to be, need to be on a plaque on the wall. Because it wasn't you who did it anyway. It was God who gave the increase. It was God that blessed you to have that money in the first place. I need you to lift your hands and say, to God be the glory for the things he has done. If you sing a song real good, to God be the glory. If you preach a matches real good, to God be the glory. If you pray a prayer real good, to God be the glory. Because at the end of the day, it is not you, it is not me, it is God who gives the increase. Okay, I need us to get this. Now watch this. Am I teaching this? Okay. Our job, watch this, if it's God to give the increase, we're simply servants and we pull our oar and God does the work. Go over to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. I'm almost done with y'all. 1 Corinthians 9th chapter, verse number 16. 1 Corinthians 9, 9th, uh, 9th chapter, verse number 16. 1 Corinthians 9, verse number 16. You have it, say amen. amen. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Watch this. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. Watch this. You ready for this? As a third-level galley slave, you were not a volunteer. You didn't pull your oar when you felt like it. Mm -hmm. You pulled it when everybody else pulled it. So if Maisha started pulling it, guess what? Everybody behind Maisha got to start pulling it. Go ahead, Maisha, pull. <laughs> uh, pull. Pull your oar. The same thing you was doing a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. I pull because everybody else is pulling. I don't sit back and say, well, you know, I think there's a better way to pull. I think that, watch this, doesn't mean that you don't have creativity. What it means is that you don't come up with creativity in order for have resistance. Because sometimes people come up with grand ideas that they'll never implement themselves. You know what I got real tired of in the church, Erica? I got tired of people that had grand ideas, but they weren't there to do the work. So we set this whole thing up, but you ain't there, you ain't there to do it. See how they got quiet? I love it. Praise God. Watch this. He says, you're under compulsion, desire, duress to fulfill your assignment. Woe to you if you don't do it. He says, I'm preaching not because I want to, it's because I have to. It is my assignment. Everybody say assignment. Because if I don't do it, I will forfeit what God has for me. Go to 2 Corinthians the 6th chapter. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate y'all. Y'all rode real good. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 2 Corinthians the 6th chapter, verse number 4. Are y'all getting something from this? 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse number 4. The 
The Bible says, rather as servants of God, we command ourselves in every way, in, in great endurance, in troubles, hardship, and distress, in beatings, imprisonment, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. What is he saying? He's saying, in spite of all this, I'm still going to stay to my assignment. Can I read that list one more time? He says, rather as servants, y'all see that word? Servants of God, we command ourselves in every way. I, in other words, I'm commanding myself to do it in spite of the issues that's going on in my life. And what are the issues he describes? He says, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonment, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. He says, I got to do all that. Drop down to verse number eight. Through, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet not rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Watch this. He's saying in spite of everything that is coming against me, I'm going to finish my assignment no matter what. There is no quit in me. Now, this is where it gets difficult. Here's the problem. Watch this. Here's the problem. The problem is that I was praying this week, and, and this thing really messed with me, and I'm trying to deliver this. The problem is that I think sometimes God is frustrated with us because he's invested too much in us for us to be wasting it. He put it in you to do it yet you don't do nothing. You sit on your blessed assurance. You say, preach, pastor. You, you tip God. You walk out. But did you ever help to build up the kingdom of God? I don't need your amens right here. Because he's saying, watch this, the problem why we ain't finishing our assignment is because that laundry list I just gave you, you let all that stop you. Go over to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 10. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 10. It's going to get rough right through here. 1 Corinthians 4, verse number 10. I know you want to hear he got up. You know he got up. Yes, he did. <laughs> he'll pick you up, turn you around, place your feet on solid ground. You know, he'll, he'll do all that. He'll heal your body, you know, help your mind. Leave, make your enemies leave you alone. He'll be your footstool. High five your neighbors. Praise God. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, uh, verse number 10. We are fools for Christ, but we are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored. We are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally beaten. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. We, when we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, here we go, we endure it. Touch your neighbor and say, endure it. That's the wrong neighbor, they didn't like that. Touch your other neighbor and say, endure it. You ready for this? Endure, that word endure right there, it means abstain from resisting or resenting what you're going through. Can I say that one more time? The word endure right there means you abstain from resisting or resenting what you're going through. 
crazy. This is why you quit ministry. Because you didn't turn your pain around and say it was good for me that I be afflicted. I was, I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday, and um, I'm going to deal with this. And I need you to hear your pastor and hear me well. Um, somebody was getting off the ministry because of what they're going through in their own life. They were getting off the ministry because of what they were going through in their own life. And the Holy Ghost arrested me. And he said right there while the person was talking, he said to me, you know that is the major problem in freedom. That everybody think they can quit just because they're going through something. Okay? Um, I hope you're ready for this. I hope you can trust your pastor. And this is what the Lord said. You ready? No, y'all ain't ready. Touch your neighbor and say, are you ready? Okay. I felt that thing rise up right now. Mm -mm, they ain't ready. You ready? Here we go. Here we go. You want to quit because of what you're going through. Okay? Here's my question to you. Did ministry start what you're going through? Or did decisions or life, and life circumstances do it? Why are you quitting what had nothing to do with what you're going through? It's getting quiet right through here. I'm amazed at the saints nowadays that you go through something and the first thing you want to quit is the thing that keeps you going. God help me teach this right here. I'm off script, but I need to go right here. I had this on another point, but I need to go ahead and say it. I need to cut across the field. Because the problem is, you ready? When I got an email and somebody said to me, Pastor, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I'm you know, I want to come to church. I love God, but it's just a struggle for me to come to church. And and the backstory behind that is, watch this, and I need you to hear this with all sensitivity. Hear this in the spirit. That sometimes we get ourselves in situations and circumstances that infect our spirit. So you, you get in a bad relationship, you're around the wrong people, you get messed around and start making something an idol, you, you, you get into this unholy place, and it infects your spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there before? It completely infects your spirit. It, you're, trying, you're trying to push through, but you know that, that, that you done got wrapped up into this. Okay. Let, okay. Ain't no children in here. Okay. Good. Let me let me say it like this. It's like that we don't understand the level of what happens to us when we start having sex with somebody we ain't married to. Because now the spirit of that person has been deposited inside you, and so you carrying around soul ties, people up in you. This is why sometimes you get angry and happy all in three seconds, because you got one part of you that's angry and the other part of you that's happy that's attached to that person that's on the other side of town. It's getting quiet right through here. Thank you, I'm so glad. So it infects your spirit. Now here's the problem. Then you come to the house of God. And let's say the person breaks up with you. Let's say um, that that person is no, no longer idle in your life. That thing has come crashing down, right? And now you are left with the bag of bad decisions. You come into a holy place after you have lived unholy and it agitates you. Because, you ready for this? You have fed your flesh, and your flesh is stronger than your spirit. So your flesh will never be comfortable in a holy place because it don't like it. Because you've only fed one side of you. 
and the other side of you is saying, I need more of this. And the other side of you is saying, I can't take this. So I got to leave. I got to get off of it. And it's the one place you need to be. That's why you got to come to church every single Sunday and throw your hands up while worship is going on and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit because I done got myself into some stuff that's messing with my life. Is this too honest for y'all? This is the problem. So now church becomes the struggle because you're no longer comfortable because that flesh is so big and that spirit, spirit is so small. Mm -hmm. This is why it's not comfortable for you no more. I, you know, I come from the holiness church. I was raised in the holiness church. We weren't Pentecostal. We was holiness. Holiness was long skirts all the way to the ground, all the way up to your neck, no makeup. You know, you just plain Jane. You just looked a mess and you was holy. <laughs> I mean, they, they had, they wore the outfits, Maisha, but they were the meanest people in the world. I don't know how holy they were. They was mean and nasty. Smoked cigarettes as soon as they left church and, you know, y'all don't, okay, y'all ain't, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Anybody was, you know, from the, from the Baptist church, no, as soon as church out, they in that car. Okay, y'all ain't, ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all right. Because y'all Pentecostals, if you was raised Pentecostal, you know they probably wasn't smoking. It was drinking. Mm-hmm. They were drink Anyway, let me get off of that. <laughs> um, and if you was AME, it's all a combination in between. Because you was the educated one. So, you know, you didn't go all the way. Anyway, so we was raised... I was raised holiness, and, and being raised holiness, there was always this thing where uh, we had something called the mourner's bench. Oh. The mourner's bench was this place in the church where if you were in sin, you had to go sit on the mourner's bench. And it put you on front street. Now, I don't believe in public crucifixions. I don't believe in that if you do wrong, I need to stand you in front of the church. Oh, she pregnant, and we got to tell this in church. The devil is a liar. The only difference between her and them is she got caught. That's the only difference. So I don't do public crucifixions. I don't do all that stuff. We don't do that at Freedom. And so, uh, but they had something called the mourner's bench. And it was so uncomfortable. And I remember one time, I don't know what I did, but I think I said something back to my grandmother. And we went to church, and my grandmother made me sit on the mourner's bench. <laughs> because I had talked back to her. And I'm sitting there sweating bullets. Because we, we are raised with the mindset that God is going to strike you down. Because you done wrong. Y'all still do that to this day. You know, let y'all go in the parking lot and somebody cuss. I'm moving out the way because God getting ready to strike you down. <laughs> Watch this. And so, so we have this mindset that there's going to be some external force that's going to get us. Yeah. Not realizing it's the internal that's dying. You worried about out here, you need to worry about what's up in here. This is why we want to quit. This is why we want to walk away, because we done got mingled up in something now that has fed our flesh, and now we don't feel comfortable in holy things anymore. That's why it's a struggle. I need you to touch your neighbor and tell him, but push past the struggle. Yeah, you got to push past the struggle. Okay, watch this. Number one is servants. Number two, write this down, stewards. Stewards. Everybody say stewards. S-T-E-W-A-R-D-S. <laughs> Stewards were those who preside over the affairs of the family and made provisions for it. If it, it, it is an office of responsibility, Paul says that not only are disciples servants, but they're also stewards of the very thing that brought you to be a disciple. If you go back to 1 Corinthians uh, 4, verse number 1, and those entrusted, that word entrusted is stewards with the mystery of, of God's, uh, of mystery of God has revealed. 
that you have been entrusted, that you are stewards of the very thing that brought you to be a disciple, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you have a responsibility. You are to steward the word of God that you receive. And Paul says that when you are a steward, it is a requirement that, watch this, that God needs to be able to trust you. You don't give a million dollars to somebody you don't trust. You don't give five dollars to somebody you don't trust. Somebody come ask me for money, I'm like, no, you ain't borrowing this, I'm giving it to you. And if I can't give it to you, I can't give it. I don't loan out money. If I can't give it to you, I don't give it, period. Because I ain't going to be upset and mad because you ain't giving me back my money. Watch this. God is saying that when you are a steward, not just a servant, but now you're a steward, that you are, I should, God said is, I should be able to trust you with what I give you. Now, I'm not just talking about money here. I'm also talking about when he gives you a word, how do you handle it? When he gives you a word, what do you do with it? It's the difference between being, being thought faithful and being found faithful. You think you're faithful because you come to church. You're found faithful when somebody uh, keys your car. Do you see the difference now? You, you think you're faithful because you serve on the ministry. You're found faithful when nobody on the ministry speaks to you. And you do it anyway. And the problem is the saints think they're faithful, but they're not found to be faithful. And God is saying, I want to find you to be faithful. Go to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 10. I got to go quickly. 1 Corinthians, third chapter, verse number 10. Are you getting something from this? I hope I'm blessing somebody. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each of you take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, verse number 12, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, remember that. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has been built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone, verse number 15, work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. Watch this. He says, um, there's going to come a day in time uh, that whatever you do is going to be tested to see if it's real or not. Now, I need you to see this. Only what remains will be rewarded for. So there's a fire that's coming, and whatever stands the test of the fire is what, what you're going to be rewarded for. Now, he's talking in an eschological term. He's talking about when you stand before God, but I want to put this in your everyday term. Watch this. He says, where gold, silver, and precious stones, uh, wood, hay, and straw are found. Catch this. Gold, silver, and precious stones are found beneath the earth. But wood, hay, and straw are found above the earth. Are y'all with me? He says, whatever lasts after the fire will be your reward. The problem is, we got wood, hay, and straw Christians. We got surface Christians. 
we got Christians now who know how to say hallelujah on Sunday. But we know how to say something else on Saturday night. We got Christians that can shout real good in the church, but can act a fool somewhere else. We got Christians that are kind in church, but mean and nasty to everybody on their job. And he says, the, there's a testing that's coming, and only what lasts through the fire is going to be a reward. Maybe the reason why we ain't getting nothing and we're not going any further and we don't have anything is because whenever the tests and trials of the fire come into our life, everything we do have gets burnt up. But we don't have anything underneath us. We don't have anything that grounds us. We don't have any precious stones or metals. We don't have gold and silver that's deeper than that. Above things can be seen easily, but below the deep things cannot be seen so easily. That's why you can't tell somebody's spirituality by looking at them. Because a person that can speak in tongues in church is the same person that can cuss you out on Tuesday. That's surface stuff. But give me the deep stuff that when all hell is breaking out in my life, I can say, I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to his own understanding. I need you to touch your neighbor and say, no surface Christians, no, no surface Christians. We got to be disciples that have something deeper than this. Watch this. It is a requirement of stewards to be found faithful. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stop right here because I, I can, I can go, go very long with this, but I need to just lay this out. This is the difference, ladies and gentlemen, between we said this in minister's class and the thing gripped me and it's been sticking with me and I can't let it go. This is the difference between people that understand passion and assignment. You know what's wrong with the church? Everybody got passion. But passion don't get the job done. Okay, can I talk to the married people in here? Let's say when you first got together, you had a lot of passion. Keep on living. Because <laughs> the flame will go out. Can I talk to <laughs> I saw somebody that's married to my... <laughs> I don't want to say it too loud. The, the passion will go out. Because passion does nothing but get you started. But it's assignment, sticking with the assignment that gets you through it. Okay, I need y'all to get this. And sometimes you are dropping out too soon and receiving an F in the spirit because you didn't finish your assignment. You ready for this? It's going to be real deep. This would explain why you are repeating seasons because anytime you don't pass a grade, you have to repeat. So you have passion. Give you one good service. You're falling all out, slobbing at the mouth, all on the altar. Praise God. But watch this. After you get up off that altar, are you sticking to your assignment even after the passion is gone because you ain't going to be passionate all the time. I told somebody yesterday, I said, listen, I've been, I've been out of town all last week. I'm tired. I, I, I actually have to preach again in a couple of hours at another church uh, here in the city. I didn't make no announcement about it because I don't, I don't know this church and I ain't going to take y'all there. And so um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Can I just be honest? I don't take y'all everywhere because, I listen, I don't know. I don't know. I don't need y'all to be exposed to Eddie and everything. Praise God. I knew some of y'all like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Right? Amen. You sitting there in the, the, the stove right there, and they frying chicken. You know. I know my assignment. <laughs> Watch this. This is the problem because this is even a problem with our children. You ready for this? 
when we were raised, we had to finish the assignment no matter how we felt. When I, I was in the band and I, and I wanted to be in the band, and my daddy said, he, uh, he said, well, what, you know, you want to be a man? I said, yeah. He said, what you want to play? And I said, well, I want to play the saxophone. And so we went to the store, and, my and we're looking at the saxophone. And my daddy looked at me, he said, now look. <laughs> if I buy this saxophone, <laughs> you going to play this saxophone. Watch this. I had no choice in the matter. But nowadays, our children have choices. Yeah. They don't like something? We ain't got to do it. We don't make them do anything anymore. We, we think there's child abuse now. Hate to, hate to bust your bubble. One day they're going to run into your boss. Did, did that just click for you? That's going to say, I need this done by this deliverable, by this date. And I don't care what's going on in your life. And I don't care what you got going on. I need this done now. And we are raising a generation that don't know how to finish nothing because we don't make them finish anything. They sign up, they stop. We go, I don't want to do it, we quit. And all of a sudden now, we done brought that into the church. And as soon as things get hard, and as soon as things get difficult, now I quit, I'm done, I'm walking away. I need you to touch your neighbor and say, the devil is a liar. When the passion is over, you got to make sure to finish your assignment. Because watch this. He says, I'm going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And the only way he's going to say, well done, is you got to finish it. Yeah. This is the problem with the church. This is why we can't do nothing. Because don't nobody want to finish nothing. Stewards finish. If you're going to be a disciple that makes disciples, you have to be a servant, and you have to be a steward. I got three more points, and I'm done. And I'm not finishing them, them now. You have to catch me again another time. Because I need to leave y'all with them, too. You must be a servant, and you must be a steward. You got to finish. So hear me. Hear me. The Lord said this to me. He said, challenge the people. Watch this. That all this stop, starting and stopping... That season ends now. This quitting spirit, it stops now. There's some of you that walked away from ministry. God is saying, get back on it. Because I'm not going to give you an A until you finish your assignment. And you will repeat this, se this season over and over again until you finish what I told you to do the first time. And it's not based upon how you feel. And not, not based upon what's going on in your life. I need you to finish your assignment. I told my friend, I said, I don't feel like preaching. I'm tired. But guess what? When passion ain't there, assignment is still there. And I have to give the word of God in spite of how I feel. And God is saying, the same responsibility of the pastor is the same responsibility of the people. Oh, that's why you made me go through all that? Yes, because I need you to see that the same standard that's over here is the same standard on your life. I want to do an altar call real quick. I don't need you to come up here. I just need you to stand if I'm talking to you. If you know that you have had a spirit of starting and stopping, that you have not finished the assignment that God has spoken over your life, either in ministry, in your personal life, whatever it is, I need you to jump on your feet right now because we are going to overcome this spirit of that we got all this passion, but we won't finish the assignment over our life. We must finish what God told us to do. We must complete it. He wants to say, well done, that good and faithful servant, but you've got to do it well.
I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. I hear the Lord say, stop delaying your dreams. Stop it. Stop delaying them. <laughs> Even if you got to stumble to the place of my will, stumble. But don't you quit. Don't you stop. Don't you walk away. I need you right with your hands lifted just to surrender to God. God, I surrender my dreams, my plans, everything I thought how it was going to work out. I release it over to you now. Even the resentment of it not happening before now, I release that now. Because there's some of you that's walking around with a bitterness and a resentment towards God because you thought it would have happened by now and you gave up along the way. But God is saying, right where you are, release it over to him. And you will not repeat this season again of starting and stopping. You're going to go all the way. You're going to go all the way. I need everybody in here that's standing, lift your, open your mouth and say, all the way. I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. I won't quit. I won't, even if doubt comes, I will not stop. I will keep going. Even if fear tries to come in, I will not stop. I will keep going. I'm going all the way. I'm going to be a good steward over what the Lord has given me. There's too many dreams. There's too many goals. There's too many gifts locked up on the inside of me to die in the grave. I refuse to let my life go into another year and I'm not finished what God said. I'm going to go all the way. Lift your hands and tell the Lord all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. I need you for the next 30 seconds to worship God out of your soul. Come on, worship him out of your soul. Worship him out of your soul. Open your mouth and worship him out of your soul. Come on, open your mouth. Come on, freedom. There needs to be a sound of worship. See yourself completing it. See yourself at the finish line. See yourself going all the way and worship him from that place. Hallelujah. And we bless you. And we bless you. And we bless you. If your hands are lifted, I need you to grab somebody around you. Grab their hands. Grab somebody's hand around you. I press into your hand a fresh anointing. I press into your hand endurance. I press into your hand staying power. I press into your hand finishing. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Ghost that you finish everything that God puts in front of you, that you will not quit, that you will not bow, that you will not run, that you will not stop, but you are going all the way. Come on, squeeze that hand just a little bit. I press into your hand a new endurance. I press into your hand a new endurance. You are going to go all the way. Open your mouth and worship God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now every finisher in here, lift up your hands, open up your mouth and worship him. Hallelujah. Come on, you're a finisher. You're a finisher. You're a finisher. You're a finisher. Glory to your name, God. Glory to your name, God. And we thank you. And we bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel an anointing in here, y'all. Hallelujah. You will finish. You will not quit. You will not quit. You will not quit. I need everybody standing to your feet. If you don't know Jesus for yourself, if you're unsure of your salvation, I need you to come to this altar. I want to pray with you. If you know you're not saved or you're unsure of your salvation,
get up out of your seat, come out of that row and meet me on this altar. If God is calling you to join this church so that you can be planted in the house of God, you know that this is your church. You know this is the ministry that God is calling you to. I need you to meet me on this altar right now. Come on, I need you to come now. I need you to come now. If I'm talking to you, don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about who you're next to. I need you to come and follow the voice of God. You know he's talking to you. It is your time to surrender. It's your time for a change. It's your time for a change. It's your time for a change. Come on, it's your time for a change. If I'm talking to you, just look at your neighbor and say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You got to come. You got to come. Come on, if I'm talking you now make your way to this altar hallelujah hallelujah and we bless you and we glorify you if i have any finishers in this house give god the best praise you can right there hallelujah come on finishers come on hallelujah